0: This very special episode of Imprint Companion or Serious Disc Agreement, wherever you're listening, is brought to us today by Dendi Cinemas. From November 18 to 30, if you're in Sydney, there is a Denny Veli New retrospective to celebrate the release of Dune on December 2nd. So, nine titles that I, for one, am going to at least three. They are Maelstrom polytechnique in sundays prisoners enemy sicaria arrival and blade runner 2049 tickets are on sale at dandy.com.au or at the newtown box office i hope to see you there and also august 32nd on earth one of his original films there's two or three in there that i need to get my butt in the seat to see in a cinema but now let's get on to the show
1: think something new under sun Hello and welcome to The Imprint Companion, the podcast that discusses all of the releases from Imprint Films, a beautiful boutique Blu-ray label located here in sunny Australia, one of the most gorgeous countries on the planet Earth. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos and joining me as always is my brother in physical media arms. It is Blake Howard. How are you doing, my dearest friend?
0: Oh baby I'm so good it feels like such an incredibly long time between us chatting we chat almost every day on yeah. text messages <laughs> and um but but, but to, to be here I think maybe we were holding off on this chat because it is just the most drastically intimidating chat to recommend what I think we're both in agreement is maybe the best physical media release we've seen in the last couple of years. So oh, it's, God. it's, I'm so excited to talk to you about this imprint. We have, we, you know, we've gushed about a few big releases from imprint this year, but when we even saw that this was coming, uh, oh. I think we were knocked sideways and I'm going to use a word
1: I rarely use. When I saw that little picky come up on my screen (laughs) announcing that there was going to be this Zhang Yimou-Gong Li collaborations box set, I will use the word flabbergasted because I was. I couldn't believe that someone even thought to make this as a box set and then would have the ability to get all the films, put it together, compile it with beautiful special features and put it out. And we've got it in our hot hands. We've been making our way through it. It's it's an, it's it's an intimidating box. It's It's, immense. It's it's immense. It's intimidating. Um, I think partly because Zhang Yimou, most of the movies I've seen of his are not featured in this box set at all. I'm talking about like Hero, uh, which was a huge movie for me in high school. And so most of the films I've seen of Zhang Yimou are in like that wuxia genre of films of like martial arts, ancient Chinese, uh, like martial arts and sword fighting, semi-fantasy type movies. Um, Yeah. So getting into these more historical and naturalistic movies that are hist- not even naturalistic. They run the gamut of everything. This, these films, Uh this saga that he did with Gong Li, his creative partner and former life partner as well. Um Weird to say former life partner, you know, they just it used is. to be a couple is what I was trying it's, to say.
0: Yeah. Kind of muse. And I, I think what we want to just say is the idea of collaborations is maybe the greatest campfire bullshit mm. conversation for physical media heads ever. It's Absolutely. like we always talk about this shit. Alex and I have definitely talked about it. I'm, I'm sure that if you listen to these sh- this show, you know that like everyone and their dog has always said, could we imagine a world, and this is one of the most famous ones, could we imagine a world where there was a true collaborations box set of, say, Scorsese and De Niro? Could you wow. imagine what such a thing could mm. be to look like that, where there's like a true collaboration that runs over. The other one, the big one that's missing. Of could course, you imagine? the big
1: one is, of course, Johnny Depp and, and Tim Burton. No, I and I mean, it would look gonna, like a I, creepy pop-up book.
0: I, I was going <laughs> to say, Peter Berg and Marky Mark, Spencer <laughs> Confidential right at the top. Yeah. It could be Michael Bay and Marky Mark. You never yeah. know. You never um, know. But You never know. But no, all joking aside, there is there are these relationships that happen with actors and directors, and obviously Zhang Yimou and 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 Gong Li have a u- more unique relationship as a muse and uh, and filmmaker and artist composer or whatever you want to call him um, uh, than others. But when this came out, we were just knocked for six. So yeah. many exciting movies, so many things I had never seen before, and so maybe let's we're gonna go all, we're gonna jump all over the map, the mm-hmm. actual whole collection. Uh, is Red Sorghum, Judo, Raise the Red Lantern, The Story of Kui Zhu, To Live, Shanghai Triad, Curse of the Golden Flower, and Coming Home. We are not going to do our regular deep dives on all of the films we're going to pick for because it's so immense. Um, and we do not want to do it in injustice, this entire yes. box set. Suffice to say, though, it's essential. It, yeah. Like, you don't have to listen to one more second of this pod other than... This is an essential purchase. You must own it. And of everything that Imprint has brought out, this is their most important and best release.
1: Absolutely, unequivocally, I agree with everything Blake just said wholeheartedly. I (laughs) would also say in Australia, if an Australian uh, physical media collector listening to this, uh, this will be available in all the JB Hi-Fi, 20% off, 30% off sales. Um, I think there might even be currently one on at the moment. Uh, And I would say that this is... A great gift for oneself to fully uh, begin that journey of discovery into world cinema. This was a big blind spot for me, this collaboration box set. But also, if there's a cinephile in your life, this oh. is the most hectic Xmas <laughs> present that you could ever wrap up and chuck under a tree. Like, this is, this, this will be is... so special for a young cinephile to open on Christmas morning, open that red and green wrapping paper to find this beautiful cubic red box full of incredible films i would say this this is one of the messages i said to blake was out of the four films that i've seen in this box set so far two of them are the best films i've ever seen in my entire life (laughs) 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 or like you know i'm a little i'm being slightly hyperbolic but only slightly like two of them are Uh, within the realm of 100 best films i've ever seen
0: Lex's text messages sometimes come in after I've gone to bed. So when I wake up, like (laughs) I just see them and the hyperbole strikes me like an alarm clock. Like I wake up like a bolt. Holy shit. What, what, what movie was this? What movie was this? So look, I'm, I'm thrilled and excited, um, to talk, uh, with you about these today. Let's, let's maybe kick off with, uh, you're, you're going to tackle uh, for for our lovely listeners Raise the Red Lantern and To Live and I'm going to tackle Judo and Red Sorghum but let's kick off with uh, I, I guess probably one of his most well-known films outside of that uh, sort of mm-hmm. wuja stuff it's a 1991 film and uh, it's called Raise the Red Lantern
1: this is probably the film Blake that I was most familiar with in this box set it is one of those films that probably gets mentioned in those like 1001 movies you must see before you die I would say outside of like the wuxia hits, it is probably Zhang Yimou's most well-known film. Uh, it is a historical historical film. Uh, I'll read you the blurb from the back here. China, 1920, one master, four wives, raise the red lantern. After her father's death, 19 year old Songlian is. Forced to marry the much older lord of a powerful family. With three wives already, each living in a separate house within the great castle, he is a fierce competition for his attention and the privileges that are gained. Uh this is one of those films that I would say so uniquely captures something uh, that I don't know about at all. Like, I don't really know too much about the world of concubines and in, hmm. like, historical China. But I would say the thing that really hits me about this film is the way that it builds from something that feels so small and intimate. Like, the relationships between all of these characters. But then it kind of builds and grows to something that feels gargantuan and almost epic in its scale, even though it is just like one small little compound, really, where there are four houses, uh, with uh, each one being like the home and bed of a bedroom of a concubine, and then you've got all the servants working around them and stuff. And there's all these conflicts and that just stew and stir and boil over. And then there's this breaking point where there's just no turning back from in this film that left me floored. I, I, I really do say, Blake, that this is one of the very best films I've ever seen in my entire life.
0: Uh, I mean, it's it's a film that, for me, after you sent me that text... I watched it, and I couldn't believe. Like some movies, cheat their stakes. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I think I, when you're watching a movie, sometimes you're like, "Is this gonna go as far as you think it can go?" and and be as, you know, true to the the bleak emotional mm. sort of spectrum of this movie. And it's truly one of those ones. And if you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it. But I'll just say that, like, the ending. Not only does it stick, it hits you with such a force that you're, I don't know. It's, it's almost, it's, it's got like notes of Chinatown where, mm. where you've got this incredible piece of work and then you've got like Polanski go, no, let's just make the ending even more fucked up and yep. bleak. <laughs> like it's like the, it exists, the ending exists and you're like, how do we make this so resonant and so push you over the top? And I just yeah, I just think it's a stunning like I mean we the work I we are not hyperbolic in to say like Zhang Yi Mao's visual sensibility is mm. simply stunning on yeah. any scale. Seemingly with any film stock, good or bad. Yeah. But Razor Ed Lantern particularly has a little bit more money behind it. It looks luscious. He gets into the headspace of these people and these motivations, and I love what you said, boilovers, because it just feels like this is a repeat. It's so just mm. boil over after boil over. But yeah, no, it's truly a profound movie, and uh, and Gong Li, I mean, just wow, just oh. wow in this movie. She's just, I mean, again, the levels
1: that she plays, like the yeah. the the range in one character that she is in, yeah. in able in one character is able to play the full spectrum of notes Mm. in her range is something just so phenomenal. Like, this is the performance that probably hit me the hardest as well in the collaborations box set from her uh, because it is everything. It's quiet. It's vigilant. It's cunning, yet it is also a go with the flow at points. And mm. it, it just runs the gamut of like what an incredible performer can really do with a single character. And while retaining that character, never feeling like there's a false moment in the way that they inhabit and the way they embody that character. I think that this is the key film where it is truly a collaboration between two artists coming together to use their entire skill. Uh, Every ba- basically every skill that they have together to create something really impressive and really holistic. And I think the key thing that I've learned about Zhang Mu while going through this box set is they are truly a master of perspective, whether yeah. it be the perspective of a character and how they see the world or the perspective of kind of like... It's a, these films are basically about humans in their relation to a broader and bigger history, and how the individual falls into a larger collective history. And literally, in some of these f- films, where we talk about collectivism and communism stuff later on, but I think it's they're largely films about the Im- individual in the wake and awe of epic history surrounding them, and. Yes that in this film takes shape in the literal camera work being very wide the wide shots in this film are sensational Mm -hmm. these painted vistas almost of singular rooms uh where it's like one held off long take usually big wide shot where we see the encompassing room and then the players within it uh it, it it creates these feelings of like these closed off spaces and being trapped in a way that is so elegant without it, like being hitting you over the head in any kind of way. I think, I I don't know, man, I'm just so in awe of this film. I can't believe it.
0: It's, it's really terrific. The whole collaborations box set has a phenomenal uh, series of essays by Ying Zhu, who's a professor of cinema studies Mm -hmm. in uh, New York. And so there's there's definitely uh, more stuff for you to dive into about that. But actually on the disc itself, uh, film historian Tony Raines, um, like has a little bit of a docker about it. This is from a 2K scan. It's really spectacular. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to jump from this one. This is a 1994 film. I'm going to jump back to Red Sorghum, which is a 1987 flick, which is one of their first, and the first cab off the rank in this collaborations box set. It is the
1: debut of both of them. Gong Li's first film as an actor and Zhang Yimou's directorial debut.
0: Absolutely. And so this is also set, so similarly set kind of uh, 20s, 30s China. And basically there's a a winery owner who's leprous and Mm -hmm. he... Purchases the right for a young bride, played by Gong Li, and she goes uh, to his arranged marriage. When when he when he goes, um, uh, when she goes there, rather, she meets this. There's a, there's a, a Chinese wedding custom that they do this big drumming and performance to get the new bride to this man. Anyway, the leprous owner dies, and so she takes over his wine plantation. And one of these celebr you know celebratory dances kind of takes her and the whole story is sort of beautifully told from this detached perspective of this grandson character about these are my grandparents and the customs are crude and old but they're looked on with such sympathetic and beautiful eyes Mm. and some of the actions of the characters to a certain point are very crude and of, a, of previous times especially the way that men <laughs> treat women and the mm. way that women are sort of positioned in society um, but also it's it's something that um, connects the different uh, Chinese-Japanese war towards the end of the film and you sort of see this uh, you see this incredible uh, clash of cultures and clash of times it almost feels like it leaps forward in time mm. and I mean the the movie's called Red Sorghum which is um a which is basically um a, a berry that they make the wine out of uh, at this distillery uh in in China and the color in this film is one of the most stunning things mm. I've ever seen like the spectrum of color the characters Gong Li is still absolutely finding her feet uh, as an actor in this movie, which is so great because after then diving into to live and going to Razor Atlanta, like yeah. you can just see how quick she's she's been able to move. up. But one thing you can see here, you can see this absolutely buoyant and attractive person uh, who's got this magnetism when they're mm. like smiling when they're when they're um, happy, and you can also see this like toughness. And yeah, this is a organ is a beautiful and poetic and kind of I don't know brutal movie it, it feels all it feels all the all the ways that um and even to like these these transcendent depths that you kind of never imagine it's going to go to it all all the ways it kind of feels a little bit days of heavenly to me hmm. you know that there's just something it, it's so lyrical and poetic and bad things are happening but it seems to just be told with this Sympathy, Uh, yeah, it's a really special one. Really special one. I
1: think what I really liked about it is exactly what you're saying, like... There is this quality to the narration being from the perspective of the future grandchild of the characters in this that gives it this beautiful fairy tale like quality like there's a yes. kindness in the narration and the storytelling uh literally the storytelling of it being told from the grandchild that allows like the brutalness to take on like this far away feeling of it being like a fairy tale of something that's been told over and over again to someone to the point where it's not real. It's a recounted thing. And I think yeah. that is something very, very clever that I've not encountered before in a way that is so sweet and tender while the things that we're seeing on screen can be the, I could, horrible things happening as, to people.
0: As, as far away from sweet and tender mm. as you could possibly imagine. But it, but it just yeah it's it's one of those things that um you know and that great documentary on the Dave's recent days of heaven released from imprint mm. told us was just like isn't it magic what you can find in an narration and i would just yeah. wonder if 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 is young was thinking when he was conceiving of this about like if i if i can say it with this sympathetic voice then maybe i can really smash people with the content mm. and have this really beautiful conflicting experience um, as, as it works through But no it's, it's another special one In this box That just like Knocked me for six And, and I was uh,
1: Yeah Yeah I would also say this being the first film we start to see like the ideas of perspective coming up and like people in history but also uh one of the other things I didn't expect that I think evolves so much over the f- coming films is the humor like there's a lot of funny yeah. stuff even in the story <laughs> of this like plotting wise yes. that are funny in this yeah. film like there's a a, a a kind of like almost a deus ex machina involving (laughs) urine in this, which is incredible. Yes. Yes.
0: And, and just the, I can't, (laughs) the deus ex machina involving urine. That's just so perfect. I mean, that's what it it is. That's exactly (laughs) what it is. It's the best thing ever. Um, Let's, let's dive into, uh, let's dive into uh, maybe actually, no, we'll save the very best for last with to live. I want to jump into judo. Um, which is a 1990 film. And this one from Zhang is about a woman married to this brutal... Again, it's uh, all, all of these are set in uh, different periods of Chinese history. But this one, uh, another woman is um, sort of married off to a brutal but infertile owner in rural China. And she has an affair with her new husband's nephew, and conceives a child. And what happens is, rather than what you would expect, which is, you know, uh, that this brutal, you know, they they backstab this brutal owner to watch that he, you know, his eventual demise or something like that. uh, What happens is, watching these three people have to come to terms with the truth of this and what mercies they give each other and what lies they're willing to, uh, accept in their lives and live out in their lives in order to save face in the community and to maintain this, you know, perception of lineage. And what I found about it, again, like these these tales of being shackled and, and having your destiny told out for you and then doing whatever you can to sort of quietly rebel within the scope of the system, uh, the way that it allows you. All these themes are things that come up in Zhang Yimou's work over and again. So it's interesting to see the evolution here. But Judo just felt like this, almost like Mikhail Hanukkah kind of movie where mm. like someone thinks they're doing something right and it ends up like crippling them and someone thinks that they're doing something good or they're, they're he, he just has this way um, in the same way he did with Red Sorghum, to like completely flip your perceptions of a character in just like a half second, um, and with with just an action, and you know this packs a punch. It's a lean, mean little movie. Um, it's only uh, an hour and thirty-five minutes, like a very quick sort of ninety-minute watch. Uh, but again, stunning colors because it's a you know he's a he's a dye mill, so there's these beautiful like wet, Mm. you know, um, uh, beautiful streaming colors all throughout the thing. And again, so very beautiful, but I'm, I'm struck just by the, he loves playing with like Murphy's law. Like what is the, what is the thing that you could just possibly not want to happen in this situation? Um, and, and the worst possible outcome and he just plays with it. And so it's just like, again, over and over fate kicking you in the teeth in judo. And it's, uh, very, 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 uh, God, it just it's it's a really grueling and tough watch because of the emotional roller coaster it puts you on. But that's nothing to say against the talent of the way that the film is made. More that it mm. is just so 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 ferociously made to to just eat you inside <laughs> while yeah. you're watching it.
1: Really terrific. I can't wait to watch it. That's the one that I haven't been able to get onto yet. So uh, I think it's been shot off the list to the next one I'm going to chuck on. There was one other one that I watched, Blake, that I don't think you had time to, that I want to give a quick little shout out to, which is Shanghai Triad, which is for almost a decade was the last film Gong Li and Zhang Yimou ever collaborated on until coming back with a couple more in the last few years. Uh, Mm. But this was the one that they made right after To Live. And uh, it was hoped to be a more mainstream movie that would play in China. Uh, It's kind of a... It's a gangster movie set in the 1930s uh, where Country Boy is brought to 1930s Shanghai by his uncle who wants the boy to become a member of the powerful gang ruled by the manipulative Tang. When the boy's uncle and the gang's several other members died during a rival gang's unsuccessful attempt on Tang's life, the latter retreats to a remote small island thinking of revenge. This is a really interesting film because it all is like we were saying perspective based. It's based on the perspective of this 14 year old boy who is kind of seeing through glimpses, some of the violence of the triads, like through slatted windows at some points or coming in just after there has been bloodshed. So it's Mm. really interesting. Like, you know me, I love my gangster movies. So to see one that is almost like seven days in the perspective of (laughs) the young boy from road to perdition that catches a glimpse of his father's violence. It's almost like that stretched out to a whole movie. And Gong Li plays like a cabaret singer who is, uh, you know, a gangster's mole, basically. And uh, it is a beautiful film. The perspective of the film being from almost like a passive character who has to become active is really interesting and uh, I, I, it's another one that's like a small winner. Like it's a really, really cool film, especially if, like me, you like your gangster films. This is something that you would never have seen before, basically. So, you, if you just
0: said the magic phrase of, um, what is easily uh, the best film from Sam Mendes, which is Road to Perdition, and mm. that that perspective of his young son, Tyler, Tyler Hoechlin, who's now playing Superman with Tom we Hanks. I love Tyler Hoechlin. Um, he's he's I love that movie, and yeah, I. Um, Again, just more and more that we talk about it, it's just that manipulation of these sympathetic perspectives, no matter what we're watching and playing with your emotions is, is just like what, you know, what this master does best. But let's get to the movie that you said. So, guys, you would have heard us. We're now into imprint 71. So we've got done every single imprint release. This release takes us up to imprint seventy four. We're going to dive into the Big British Collection. Is the next series that we're going to be covering on Imprint Companion. But Lex is like Blake. After these seventy one movies, this may be the be- one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life, and maybe and easily one of the best movies in this entire collection. Straight let's up. Let's talk
1: about. Let's talk about To Live. This knocked me away. This is. One of the most impressive films I've ever seen in my entire life. This is the, for me, the best film in this box set. And I'd never even heard of it before. It is the best film in all of imprint releases so far. It is a 30-year family saga uh, that is the complete and utter encapsulation of what I was talking about when it comes to perspective and when it comes to human stories of the individual scale held up against the background of the historical context that they live in and where they fall into that. And this is a film that is so much about the individual within the collective. And when mm. we talk about collective, I'm talking about collectivism. I'm talking about the ideals of communism and stuff. This is set over 30 years of Chinese history. And it is told from the perspective of a couple. i just going to read you the blurb from the back. Fuki and Jizen endure tumultuous events in China as their personal fortunes move from wealthy land ownership to peasantry. Addicted to gambling, Gi loses everything. In the years that follow, he is pressed into both the nationalist and communist armies, while Jiaxin is forced into menial work. And that is so simply put to what this film is. This <laughs> takes yeah. place over three decades of Chinese history, from the 1930s to the 1960s. And what to live begins as like it begins before the it it begins before the civil war which is when the the nationals are versing the communists during the revolution and so we see them begin their lives in like living in a mansion and fugi loses everything to gambling and i thought this movie was going to be like about that about gambling and then it becomes about (laughs) world history in a way that I've never confronted (laughs) before. And it comes about so much different things like artistry. And it's held together so beautifully by these two performances uh, from Gong Li as the wife in this partnership and uh, Ji Yu as Fugi, this this man who's like, life is torn apart by gambling and then repaired and torn apart again by uh, communism in his country. And so we see him basically switch sides in the war as that comes into. And then they have the good fortune of when we have the uh, communist revolution, that because they are no longer the landlords and like the upper crust, they are like the lowest rung of peasantry. They are like able to survive and thrive in communism because it's like all these twists of fate that are so elegantly done. It takes us all the way through the cultural revolution and everything Oh my god like this is one of the greatest <laughs> sagas I've ever seen and it's so complex yet it's portrayed in so simple to understand language of it being like a story of a family a family unit that starts as two people becomes four people and it stays as four people in different combinations as the film cha- as the film continues on basically actually was- oh my god that's what I would say this is a film about a family unit of four people, but the four people in that family unit continues to change.
0: Yeah, and I think what you nailed so perfectly is like twists of fate and human scale. Like So in these huge tumultuous events, really great epics just do the smartest thing. They make the smartest choice, which is if you focus it on the people and the individuals in the epic and you don't get lost, you still like chart their emotional and you know physical and life trajectory against the events and it just there's a delicacy that it's not on the nose you know like mm. so many films sometimes when they're going yes. through these tumultuous events, it just doesn't work because you're like this is so glib you're just everything feels like it's so forced but exactly as you said particularly Fuji's character around his internal conflict and switching sides and, and and trying to be you know in some ways be opportunistic as you know making a He's a gambler, so making literally an ideological gamble, mm. um, and then that has a good fortune turn. It's like there's just some really smart both like things that are in the text, and then this you know concurrent meta text that's happening with the movie and everything that's happening. That's just like I think you just nailed it. It just nails it to its to twi- it twists of fate, and it and it stays at the human scale, and it's just really, you know, it's 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 like it's a it's a one of the great epics. Like it's mm. a great epic like it's like one it's of the a great, great epic. It, it's just one of the great epics. It's it's it sits up there with like you could totally watch to live and watch Lawrence of Arabia. Like mm-hmm. it makes enough sense to watch them both together. You
1: know? Yeah. I, or Godfather, because it is like that saga of, of one family like One family. Oh God. This is one of my favorite films in my entire life. I, I I've I could watch it again right now. And it's not like the way that some epics can feel like a drag at some points, you know, the common like criticism of like the Godfather and like Lawrence Arabia, like their films that insist upon themselves (laughs) to quote Peter Griffin, uh, from the (laughs) family guy TV show. But this is so intimate and so layered and so textured. Like there's so many different textures and tones coming through this movie. Like there are moments that are like funny, There are moments that are heartfelt excitement. There are moments where there's some of the saddest stuff that I've ever felt while watching a movie. And there are moments that are just, like, weird and fun. Like, so much of this movie is about the main character, Fugi, becoming a shadow puppet, like... A shadow puppet I guess entertainer and he's like an opera singer that like <laughs> sings during the shadow puppets and like he provides like the entertainment for the people that are around him and like those are like vastly entertaining little slices of life every single time of what life used to be like and what entertainment used to be like and everything about this film is so beautifully and perfectly written like I, I would probably put this up there as a perfect movie where the screenplay is perfect. The performances are all perfect and it all is perfectly executed where it just works perfectly. Like if someone told you this as a story, you'd be like, you thought about every single little part and it all connected together in a way that is so wonderfully thought out and it doesn't feel overly complicated or overly written in any kind of way.
0: Yeah. It's, I, it's, you know, this is 1994. He's been making films uh, with Gong Li since 1987. And so these seven years and quite prolific, mm-hmm. you know, click clip of films just coming out and out and out and out. And it just feels like these themes, these twists of fate, these tales of family, these, these stories of human scale. And, like, just, again, especially that starts out right from Red Sorghum of, like, There are greater, you know, transnational forces that are going to influence things that are happening in your life. But man, like this is the movie where everything absolutely clicks. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, everything just clicks right into place. And because um, I know that if our friend Maria Lewis ever listened to this, she'd hate this. I'm going to say it. It's like, this is Zhang Yimou's heat like Michael Mann, you know, like you finally, she would absolutely hate this. She'd hate that, you know, <laughs> she'd hate it. Um, and I'm said it basically just in case she listens. But what I would say <laughs> is no, it's a, no, um, in all seriousness, that's what it is. It's like someone who has mm. had like a thematic preoccupation. Yeah. And all of the films in those different ways have been toying with perspective, toying with those things. And this is the one where it's just like, everything is so like within an inch of its life modulated to make you feel this, Incredible roller coaster of life, and like I think it's such a ballsy thing to name your movie "To Live." By the way, because <laughs> yeah. like, like there's a bit of a weight on oh, "To Live." Like you're gonna actually tell me something that's as epic as anything that could capture the essence of what life is, and it's like one of the greatest credits is like, no, like it absolutely owns its title, like mm-hmm. it's like. To live. Yeah, that's what it is, to live.
1: This is one of the best films about life that's ever lived. And I would say as well, like, Gi and Gong Li as the two leads, this couple at the center of the film, through performance, because there's almost very little, like, true makeup enhancement to show the 30 years that they lived through. There is some, but not, like, drastic. Like, they're not lathering on, like, prosthetic makeup to age them up. But they inhabit these characters for what truly feels like 30 years. Not two and a bit hours. It feels like 30 years that they are these characters. And you feel them age. You feel them mature in really interesting ways. That is what is probably the thing that will excite me most going back to the film. Is just seeing how those performances mature from like a young couple in love starting their life together. And like the, the, the tumultuous relationship as it begins to being this beautiful relationship of two people that are like their life is to live together you know like oh man
0: and I, and, I, and, I, I, and, you, oh. and and you, and you have to that's what's so great about like young love is so as portrayed in the film young mm. love is that like it's intense and it's and basically it's like love with blinders on and what's great mm. is that like as their love endures they're seeing actually who they are. Yeah. And they still, well, she still loves him even though he's just like, he's just like a real, he's a real rap scallion of a guy. Yeah. <laughs> like he, sometimes he makes himself really hard to love in this movie and, um, the fact that their connection stays so strong is just, yeah, special. Mm. special. And it's a really, really
1: special film.
0: That's literally five. There are eight films um, yeah. uh, in this box set. Still more that we could have covered, but it's I as mean, special so, as it gets.
1: I'm so glad we haven't because I, as I was digging more into this box set, I knew that we had a purpose, that we had to review this and talk tell people about it. But I got to the point where I'm like, I can't run out of these movies. I want to be (laughs) able to continue on watching these at a pace rather than like smashing through them. And I think one of the great things about this box set is there is this running special feature between all of them with uh, film historian Tony Rains, who is an expert on Zhang Yimou and the historical context of each of these films in when they were released and what they're about. And each one of those was what you would want to be a companion to any box set following the career of a single filmmaker and a great collaborator. It is just, they got the exact right person uh, who had everything that they needed to say about these films. And I, I'd highly recommend every, after you watch one of these films, chuck on that Tony Raines uh, discussion afterwards. They're really fantastic.
0: Yeah. It's um all very good. And, especially being so green to the historical context because, mm. you know, unless you're a, an expert on sort of uh, Southeast Asian history over the last, you know, a couple of hundred years, yeah. um, it's, it's hard to sort of get a handle on it all, but, um, yeah, terrific. The essays are wonderful. We love it. We love a, a box that, um, has an e- essay booklet. It's one of the rare ones here and it's just stunning. And, and yeah, it's also got, um, uh, Chris Berry, who's a professor of film studies in King's college in London does some essays as well. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, a couple of really terrific companion pieces to this, but I mean, you got to buy it, you got to own it. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, uh, as Lex said, make that little cinephile in your life. Yeah. Who's their flipping mind when you drop this cube of brilliance on them. Yeah. Um, if, if we could speak from our own past selves, if this was, uh, I mean, I know my Arnie Marcia used to love that you know, $20 note in the card, but mm. if Arnie Marcia ever dropped uh, collaborations on Young Blake, I mean, we would have, oh, who knows? The sky was the limit. The sky was limited at 18. So exactly. uh, there's, no, there's no limit. Get your physical media nerds, get them, get them started early. Drop a collaborations box set on it.
1: And I would say every single one of these films, from what I can see at least, and from memory, none of them are on any kind of streaming oh. or even iTunes, Google, like Watch, Rent. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to buy a box to watch them all. <laughs> I'm so glad I've got it because this is, dare I say, could be the release of the year as far as those big box sets go.
0: I'm going out there and I'm saying it is. It's the release mm. of the year for, it's the release of the year for what it does to actually honor a true and wonderful and unique collaboration, to bring all of these things together, to get restored 2K scans where possible, mm-hmm. to get the very best scans that still exists. Um, you know, a bit of behind the scenes. I know that the red sorghum um, scan, we've heard from our lovely friends at Imprint from behind the scenes, uh, said that there's just no better print they could find in the world to get that to Blu-ray. And maybe that it doesn't look just as precise as some of the others, but- they still looks I mean, great. I mean, look, that's what I said. I said, it looks magnificent. Mm. However, you know, I think that that's the other massive curation thing. Cause the last thing you want is any of these things to get lost, um, mm. to time, these great these great entries that just sort of disappear. And then a hundred years later, someone finds a print in a bloody library somewhere in Europe. But um, I, I just, I love this and yeah, really looking, really looking forward to hearing more of you guys. If you guys want to get in touch with us at one Blake minute at ohm pods at this is Alexi, just, you know, hashtagging collaborations. We'd love to hear what your faves were. If you've had the same mm-hmm. experience getting on with it, but lots of good tweets out there online of, of people around the world, collecting it and, and being so grateful to finally have it in their possession. So it's awesome to talk to
1: you about it, my friend. Likewise, I'm so glad we've finally got to talk about it, Blake. So,
0: before uh, uh, we wrap up, Lex, uh, firstly, you're all over the place at Sydney Film Festival right now. How's Sydney Film Festival
1: treating you? Loving movies. Physical Mm -hmm.
0: media now getting back to the big screen in Sydney. Yes,
1: back to the physical world beyond physical media. Um, You know, I'll be honest with the listeners of this show, there were points during this Sydney lockdown where I could not watch movies. I was sick of them. I didn't know what to do. I hit the real low depths of my mental health as far as it came to (laughs) watching movies and also in general. Um, But getting back out into the world again and enjoying Sydney Film Festival and cinema has been a lifesaver and is refilled my absolute passion for cinema and my passion for discovery and sharing the discoveries that I find. Um, I would give a shout out to El Planeta, which I believe will have one more screening by the time this comes out in Sydney Ooh. Film Festival. It is a really fantastic, small Spanish language directorial debut um, oh. that is funny, it's weird, it's beautiful, stunning black and white cinematography that captures like this seaside urban landscape so powerfully and it is one of my favorite kinds of movies it's a mother and daughter film about their bond and the complications of those kind of uh, family relationships that's the my my discovery i would say of the festival so far
0: well if i don't get to catch that i'm looking out for the physical media of that one we'll have to do a bit of an inventory chat about those things mm-hmm. uh also total reboot with a new series announcement. Would you like to tell the the listeners? Oh yeah.
1: The next thing that we're doing, Cam and I were doing a little trilogy to wrap up this month of November. We are doing a trilogy of romantic comedy starring Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. (laughs) Something that I think we've wanted to do since we started podcasting together like six years ago. Uh, I mean,
0: excellent. Phenomenal choice. Mm -hmm. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Um, uh, yeah, just you know, look very special. We're, uh, the list of, speaking as a listener and your friend. I'm excited, <laughs> um, and guys, Miami Nice is coming at you thick and fast. Obviously, mm-hmm. Series disagreement Agreement will be back um, as well with Alexi and I covering everything we don't cover here on Imprint Companion. Um, but uh, more Zodiac Chronicle coming. And if I'm honest with our listeners right now, I have I've got most of the series completed, wow. and it's just it's just so hard right now to let go. Mm. We're only really five episodes away from the show being completed. Um, so I've been a bit hesitant to release this last one. I'm We're right in the Rick Marshall phase. It's a very complicated moment in the film. And uh, I've been just kind of uh, quietly devastated that it's going to end, uh, if yeah. I'm really honest with you. And so, uh, yeah, uh, this is one of the strange feelings that you have. But you guys are going to hear all those episodes coming up, including... Uh, one of the funnest conversations I think we've had on the show, which is Lexi and Cam joining <laughs> me in the basement, um, and Travis Woods, my incredible mate, uh, who you guys would know from Income Advice, yeah, going long and deep, and maybe deeper than anyone else in the final episode of the show. So um, in true Travis fashion, I can't wait for you guys to hear that. But thank you so much for listening to Imprint Companion. Get your freaking hands on this box set, Alexi. Mm-hmm. will be back soon. <laughs> mm.